You're listening to the Vibrant Happy Women podcast, episode number 202. We're talking about choosing what matters. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jen Riday, and this podcast is for women who want to feel more vibrant, happy, aligned, and alive. You'll gain the emotional, physical, and spiritual tools you need to get your sparkle back and ensure that depression, anxiety, and struggle don't rule your life. Welcome to the Vibrant Happy Women podcast. Hey, my friends, welcome back to Vibrant Happy Women. I am 45 years old now. I just celebrated my birthday week last week, and I love it. I could honestly say that my life has never been better and that every single year that goes by, I get happier. Now, some people would say that's bragging, but I like to kind of hold up an example of what is possible. And I hope that you too can say that with every new year, your life is getting happier. Now, the funny thing is we think that happiness means that we're not going to struggle. But I think what it really means is that we get happier and more joy-filled as we recognize struggle is normal and learn not to let it bother us. And I think that's one of the beauties of the struggles I've gone through in the past few years with my teens and the struggles before that with miscarriage and marriage. You get tired of being in pain and you decide, hey, I'm just going to think about this another way. For example, when I had my miscarriage, I had six, in fact. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. By the time I had the second one, I decided to change my thoughts about it. And I created the belief that, hey, why not believe that this spirit is just waiting around for the perfect body? So it's not a loss as much as it is a waiting game. When is that perfect body going to form for the spirit? Oh, cool. Now the baby's coming. It has the right body. We're good to go. Everything that was meant to be happened. It's just so much easier that way. Well, anyway, on our last episode, we talked about priorities, and today we're going to extend that and talk about choosing what matters and scheduling for it. You're going to learn about million-dollar minutes, how to say heck yes to everything you're saying yes to, deciding between good, better, and best, and many other awesome ideas. By the end of this episode, you'll know what are your non-negotiables and what does it mean for you to be a good mom or a good working mom? so many good concepts that are very important for all of us. So I can't wait for you to listen. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. I'm with Tanya Dalton today, and she's a productivity expert, writer, speaker, and the founder of Inkwell Press Productivity Company, which is centered around productivity tools and training. Her first book, The Joy of Missing Out, was just released. And Tanya's messages about business management, productivity, and the pursuit of passion have impacted thousands of women and men and inspired her to launch her podcast, Productivity Paradox, which has passed more than a million downloads. Congratulations, Tanya. And she's been featured in various publications. And in 2019, Tanya received the Enterprising Woman of the Year Award. And you guys might remember Tanya was on the podcast oh, maybe a couple years back on episode 92. And I'm super excited to have her back. Welcome back, Tanya. Thanks so much for having me. We had so much fun last time. I'm excited for us to chat again. I'm super excited. And before we hit record, I was looking at your picture and I said, oh, you've changed. So I know you're going to talk a little bit about that today. But you also wrote your book, The Joy of Missing Out. And that's such a paradox talking about the joy of missing out because most of us have the fear of missing out. (laughs) So tell us more about why you titled your book that way and what that means exactly. 
Well, I think you're so right that so many people live with this fear of missing out that, you know, opportunity knocks and we have to open that door again and again every time it comes knocking because once it goes, maybe it never comes back again. And so we live in this constant fear of missing out that we're not doing enough or that we're not busy enough or we're not checking enough things off of our boxes. And I think there is, you know, this whole misconception that we need to be doing more. And I like to tell people it's really not about doing more. You know, productivity is not about doing more. It's doing what is most important. It really is prioritizing in our day. And I think if you sit back and you think about that ideal day that you have in your head, maybe that you dream about when you're in the shower or when you're waiting for your coffee in the morning, there's a lot of amazing things in that ideal day. But there's also a lot of things that are truly missing. Things like being, you know, busy all day long or that feeling of saying yes out of obligation and out of guilt instead of saying yes to the things we really want to say yes to, that feeling of being stretched too thin and running ourselves in a thousand different directions, those things are missing. And I truly believe there is so much joy in our days already. There's so much happiness that's just nestled right there. But because of that busyness, because of the clutter and the noise of our everyday lives, we don't see it. And so we need to actively choose to miss out. Let's choose how we want to spend our days. And that really is the joy of missing out, choosing to actively miss out on different opportunities so we can focus in on what matters most. Mm, That's great. And then fear of missing out, you could get really clear and say, I actually fear missing out on a quiet moment or I fear missing out on this nap right now. (laughs) That's much better. I fear (laughs) that I'm going to be tired for the rest of my life. Oh, no. Oh, that's great. Well, so how do you choose your priorities and have the courage to say no to the other things that aren't so much of a priority? That's a good question because I think it's, you know, it's easy when it's black or white. It's when there's the good, better, and best options. That's when it becomes difficult when you think, oh, I don't know if I say no to this, am I, you know, am I turning down a big opportunity? Am I, you know, not really making the right choices? And I think honestly, what it comes down to is really understanding who you are. And the first section of the book really is about discovery. And your priorities are the center point. And everything works around you and your priorities. But so often in the craziness and the hecticness of our everyday lives, we kind of lose sight of what truly are our priorities. You know, we're so busy trying to treat everything as equally important, we forget that then nothing is a priority. So we really want to make sure that when we're choosing to say yes to things, they really are steeped in what is important to us. So in that first section of the book, we talk about the North Star which is your mission, your vision, your core values. So essentially, why you do what you do, where you want to go with your life, and how you want to get there. And when we take a little bit of time to clarify what that looks like for you, and everybody is unique, everybody is different, the North Star is different for each and every one of us, what that North Star looks like, you know, when we figure that out, then we can use that as our filter. When opportunities arise or when things come up that we, you know, have a choice in, We can choose to say yes if they fit that North Star. And if they don't, then we need to realize that, you know, every time that we're saying yes to things that don't really fit that ideal life that we have for ourselves, that vision that we have, every time we're saying yes to those, we're saying no to something else. We say yes to someone else's, you know, project or, you know, a volunteer opportunity that's not something we're really passionate about. We're saying no to our own goals. We're saying no to time with our family. We're saying no to the things that are truly important to us. Mm-hmm. And I start. I think when you start to reframe that and you realize hidden inside every yes is a no and you discover, oh, is this no really, you know, what I want to say no to, it makes it so much easier when we have that kind of gray area that instead of it being black and white, that black, white and gray area. 
And so I think, honestly, that is one of the ways that we can really, you know, have a litmus test of what is it I truly want to do. And in the book, we have a a finding your yes blueprint, because I think it's not as simple as just saying no more often. I think we hear that message all the time. Oh, you just need to say no more. Well, you know, what do I want to say no to? And what do I want to say yes to? Because saying yes to your yeses, to the things that really will be fulfilling to you, that makes a huge difference. That's when it feels really good, when that yes crosses our lips and we go, all right, this is a great opportunity. And so Mm -hmm. I've created a whole blueprint for people to walk through to figure out, is this truly something I want to say yes to? Because I think so often we think about whether we have the time and it's not whether you have the time, it's whether this is your yes, whether this is the opportunity that is right for you. So we need to ask some other questions before we dive into whether we have the time or not. Does this fit your North Star? Does this tie in with a priority for you? Is this something that will be fulfilling to you? Is that soul filling or is it just calendar filling? I think these questions we need to ask ourselves before we worry about, do I have the time? Mm, That's really good. I heard someone say that you only say yes if it's a heck yes. And I thought, oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm. So your blueprint walks people through figuring that out. It does. Yes. Because I think that's one of the challenges is that we are inundated throughout our day with opportunities being presented to us, whether we look at them as opportunities or not. But people stop us all the time. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can I just have you join in on this project? Can you join this committee? And so often we just say yes, because it just comes out of our mouths without really thinking it through, or we feel guilty, you know, or people catch us off guard. And I think if we really start to think through what we truly want to say yes to, it becomes easier to say no to the things that don't fulfill that. Hmm. I was recently speaking to someone who said she likes to say yes to the things that bring joy. And oftentimes, many of us spend <laughs> most of our time doing things that bring us pleasure. And she was kind of differentiating between the two. And I've been thinking about it ever since. What brings me joy, which is way deeper than pleasure? And what are yes. your thoughts on that topic? No, I absolutely agree. Because joy is this deeper feeling, I think, that because it's really truly tied to the things that are meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. I think so often we run around and we check a thousand things off our list. We're running around busy all day long. And when we slip into bed and we think to ourselves, oh, I didn't get enough done, yeah. even though we were busy all day long, it's because we're doing a thousand small menial tasks that aren't really tied to that joy, that aren't mm-hmm. really tied to those deep, meaningful things for ourselves. Whereas if we spent you know, less time on those things. And we spent more time on the things that matter most to us. Maybe we do three tasks that have meaning instead of 30 tasks that are just checking the boxes or just crossing things off your to-do list. We would end our days feeling so much more successful, so much more satisfied. And that's where I think that deep feeling of joy comes in is when we are doing things that are tied to our North Star, things that feel good and meaningful in our lives that drive us closer to that ideal life that we're all dreaming of. Yeah. Well, before we started talking, I mentioned before that I said, wow, you look different than you did before. Tell us more about how you've been using this good, better, best, finding your yes process to change your health. Mm -hmm. Well, I understand that because honestly, I think, you know, we touch on this whole idea in the first section of the book and discovery that we have these stories that we tell ourselves, you know, a good mom always puts her kids first. A good working mom goes to work and then comes home and takes care of work and takes care of kids and doesn't make time for herself. You know, a good boss stays later than everybody else on their team. We have these stories that we tell ourselves that 
create these limiting beliefs that really hold us back. And one of the stories I was telling myself was, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to take care of myself because I'm a really hands-on mom, but I've got a job, I've got a career. And so I go to my work and then I come home and I go to work and then I go home. And I wasn't really carving out the time and the space for myself. And I had to realize, you know what? I need to prioritize me because when we take care of ourselves, we're better able to take care of everyone else around us. When we feel good, when we feel healthy, we can really shine our light even brighter on everyone else when our batteries are recharged. So I had to really stop and reframe this story that I was telling myself about, you know, what a good mom does. And I realized that a good mom takes care of herself so that she can take care of others. And so I started really eating, really mindfully eating and not just, you know, eating healthier, but really actually enjoying the process of eating not trying to, you know, do five things while I'm eating my lunch, you know, really just enjoying the way the food tastes. And I was finding that because I was doing that, I was eating less. I was really just savoring. And I think savoring is one of those words that I really love that we don't do enough of. We don't savor enough, you know, and so taking the time to really savor what I was eating, eating a little bit slower, maybe having conversations while I'm eating, that made a huge difference. And then really creating a space for myself where exercise was a priority, where I go ahead now and I, I prioritize exercise and it is marked on my calendar as a meeting that is non-negotiable. And I go ahead and I sign up for my classes months in advance. So it's already on my calendar. It's not something I even question. It's just become this habit that I go and I exercise on these certain days of the week. And to me, I started to feel so much better in all the different areas of my life when I started doing that. I lost weight, but it's more than just losing weight. It's feeling strong. I feel stronger and more confident. And I think it all really ties in with a lot of what we talk about here in the book with letting go of those stories. And instead of saying, I don't have the time, realizing you do have the time. You just need to prioritize it. Prioritizing your health takes some effort. It means that you have to actively carve out that space. You know, we kind of touched on this, you and I, before we jumped on the recording with writing this book. You know, if I had just said, well, I'll write this book when I have time, it would have taken me 30 million years <laughs> to write the book because none of us have the time. But if you actively choose, okay, I'm going to carve out this time, this many days a week, we get closer to our goal. That's how I wrote a book while, you know, running a podcast and running a business and having a, you know, a house full of kids and everything else because I actively prioritized it. And I think that's true, whether we're talking about a goal or a passion project or our health or whatever it is you want to do, when we choose to prioritize it, we can create that time and that space for ourselves. And that's when we get closer to where we want to go. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel now. I'm so much closer to my health goals and I feel, I feel better. I feel better in all aspects. I was telling you, I feel better spiritually, emotionally, physically, in all ways, because I have given myself that gift of time mm -hmm. to be able to take care of myself. Mm, choosing joy. I love that. Well, <laughs> tell us more. I have two questions about the exercise. You said classes. What exercise classes do you like? First question. So I really like Pilates because one of my other issues is I have a thousand things wrong with my back. <laughs> I mean, like doctors are like, mm, some, you know, I don't know what's happened to your back, but there's all <laughs> kinds of issues going on there. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things I used to tell myself. Well, there's no way for me to exercise because the doctors tell me it's not a matter of if you'll have major back surgery, it's when. And, and I like to say, well, no, I think we're going to shift that on its head and I'm going to avoid major back surgery. And so 
really it was a matter of me trying to figure out too what would work for me. And so I go to Pilates classes and my back is incredibly strong. And I literally, I used to live with pain on a daily basis enough where, you know, doctors were like, we really want to give you painkillers. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do painkillers every day kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And now I live almost pain-free because of the exercise. So talk about finding joy. You know, living pain-free is <laughs> definitely a path to a more joyful life. And so, yeah, I go to Pilates classes several times a week and really focus in on taking care of my back. That's awesome, by the way. I love that. And my second question was, a lot of people recommend doing your exercise first thing when your willpower is highest. What have you found works for you as far as scheduling? For me, it's not the very, very first thing of the day because I have a morning routine that I really like. My morning routine does involve doing some stretches and and some things like that. But I feel like you know, we're told that there's a certain way that we're supposed to do things. You should Mm -hmm. exercise first thing in the morning. Yeah. And then you go, you know, it doesn't really work for me. So there's something (laughs) wrong with me. Yeah, that's not true. And this is that whole idea of, you know, and we talk about this again in the book is that, you know, this is why productivity and this is why systems fail people is because we think there's this system and that we have to, you know, revolve our lives around it. And I think it should be you and your priorities front and center. And then let's create the systems to wrap them around you and your life. Let's play to your strengths. Let's play to your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. If you are not a person who enjoys getting up early to exercise, then don't. Mm -hmm. You know what? Let's find a time that really does work for you. Maybe going for a walk after you eat lunch at your office. Maybe that's what works for you. Maybe it's after the kids go to bed. You know, I think so often we're told that this is the best time to do X, Y, or Z. And we think, well, then I have to do it during these times. Let's do away with that. Let's really embrace some flexibility and let's love our perfectly imperfect selves and know that maybe this works for a lot of other people, but it doesn't work for me. Find the time that works really well for you. Now, for me, what works really well is I work out generally around 830 in the morning. I do my own personal morning routine. Then we do the routine with the kids, drive carpool, drop them off. I go into work. I set my day. I set my agenda for the day. And then I go to my exercise class at 830. Mm -hmm. I exercise. And then I I have that done. Just do what truly works for you. So what does your morning routine look like? And how much sleep do you like to get, for example? I just love hearing how people schedule their days. I love the idea of 830 in the morning. I could pull that one off. That's good. (laughs) See, this is the thing is if you want it to be achievable, you want it to be accomplishable. I think so often we set ourselves up for these, you know, unachievable days. And when like for you saying that, like, yeah, that sounds good. I could do that. That's the start. That's when we build up that momentum, right? That makes it possible to make the first step and then the second step and then the third step and then create this lifestyle for ourselves where we are exercising regularly. I have a longer morning routine for the days that I want to get up early and I want to get some solid work done and I have a shorter routine. That's that flexibility that I kind of touched on a little bit ago. For me, getting up at 4.30 in the morning is a really great time for me to get work done, but I can't do 4.30 in the morning five days a week necessarily. Some weeks I can, some weeks I can't. So I shoot for doing that three days out of the five during the regular week. And on those days, I wake up and I lay in bed for about 10 minutes. And that's my time that I pray and I meditate and I do some visualization. Then I get up and I drink two cups of water, 16 ounces. That gets me 25% of the way to my daily water goal. And I have found that when I hydrate in the morning, it helps me feel less cranky. It makes me feel a little more awake. And that really helps. Then I do, you know, my teeth brushing, I do some stretches, and then I go and I sit on my couch and that's where I do my work. And I work, you know, let's see, at that point, it's probably like a little over an hour. 
before I start getting the kids up. I get the kids up around 6.05 in the morning, to be precise. (laughs) I go and I start waking them up. And after I wake my kids up, I go back downstairs and I slip back into bed with my husband for 10 minutes. And I call that my million dollar minutes because that is my 10 minutes that I really focus with intention on my marriage. He and I sit and we lay in the bed and we maybe snuggle or we just talk or we laugh. We just kind of hang out as husband and wife. And it's very intentional. It's very focused on me and my role as being a wife. And I call it my million dollar minutes because honestly, if that time were gone tomorrow, I would pay a million dollars to get it back. Mm -hmm. And so I really believe that we have these million dollar minutes throughout our day, this time that's really meaningful, but we, in the craziness and the hecticness of our lives, we just let it kind of slip through our fingers. So I really try to create that space with intention that I really focus on my marriage for 10 minutes. And then after the 10 minutes, I get up and then I'm often running, you know, yelling up the stairs to the kids, please get up, who's <laughs> taking a shower, you know, into that regular kind of chaotic routine with the children. But my morning feels so solid because I take care of myself spiritually. I take care of myself emotionally. I take care of myself physically. And truly, I start my day already feeling like I've won the day because yeah. it feels so solid. And then... You drop the kids off and drive to work. And Mm -hmm. is your work close to your house? It's not, unfortunately. I mean, it's not far, (laughs) but it's not close either. It's not your Um, backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that would be really nice. But I kind of live in the, I live near the farms. Like Mm -hmm. I can literally have entire meals that have, have all been grown and raised within a mile of my house. And so there's not a lot of places for office space. I figured out a path. So it's on the carpool drop off routes. Oh, I've nice. got kids at two different schools. So oh, that's good. <laughs> that that's adds to good. the challenge. That's mm-hmm. so great. I love that. Well, let's shift gears. And you talked about discovery, finding your North Star and figuring out mm-hmm. your best yes. And so what are the other three steps you talk about in the book? So the first step, as I mentioned, is discovery. And I think it is really because as we talked about, it really is about let's create the systems around you. So that discovery is the important part that we start with because I want you to figure out who am I? What are the things that are important to me? What are my priorities, my passion, my purpose? So we start there and then we build off of that and we talk about clarity. Okay, now how do we clarify our days and really allow ourselves to focus in on what matters most? How do we prioritize? How do we create a day that feels like we are spending the majority of our time on the things that are most important to us? And so that's the second step in the process. And then the third step is simplicity. Because you know what? That sure sounds nice to have a day that's focused on our priorities, but you still got to pay the bills. You still Mm got to do laundry. You still got to put dinner on the table and all those not so glamorous tasks. So how do we create systems? How do we create a life where those things happen a little more seamlessly, a little more automatically? How do we use habits and routines? And that's when I talk about things like my morning routine and how you create routines. How do you create habits that are really healthy so that those things can run on autopilot? So we're not spending our brain space, worrying about, oh my gosh, have I done laundry? Let's instead choose to spend our brain space on the things that are truly important. How do I get to this goal? How do I push this you know, project even better? How do I innovate this? How do I, you know, all those things that are much more important. So simplicity is really an important part of the process because it really is, you know, allowing life to run smoothly. So we have discovery, then clarity, followed by simplicity. And then that fourth step is harmony. Because I like to tell people, we got to do away with the idea of balance. There is no balance. And if we are perfectly balanced in our lives, we're not really moving in any direction. You know, if you think of it like riding a bike, 
If you want to go straight, yeah, you're perfectly balanced. But if you want to turn in any direction, if you want to choose the path you're going to go on, if you want to go left, you got to lean to the left. You have to go out of perfect balance. And then you can't stay leaned over. You'll fall over. (laughs) You'll skin your knee. So you have to counterbalance and put yourself upright. And then if you want to go to the right, you got to lean to the right for a little bit. And that's the way life really works, this leaning into a priority and then counterbalancing. Maybe leaning into work for a little bit and working on a work goal and then counterbalancing and then leaning into our personal space and then counterbalancing. So it's this ebb and flow and the flexibility that we really need to allow life to happen. We do have these rigid ideas of what we are supposed to do and we need to do away with that. It's not let's stop feeling like this is what I have to do and let's choose this is what I get to do. Mm. And then let's use harmony to feel good about that. Mm -hmm. I really like that idea, the counterbalancing. That's a unique idea, but it makes sense. When you're walking, you go uphill and you go downhill and you go around things. Mm-hmm. And life is like that. Where do we get this idea that it should just be steady and every day the same? <laughs> it doesn't yeah, make we, sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've seen those graphics where it's like how we think it's supposed to be. And it's like this straight line and what it really looks like. And it's all these like yeah, loops, crazy wiggles and lines and, you know, loops and everything else. That's really how life works. And When we're so rigid, it does not allow for the ebb and the flow of life, the seasons that change. And I think that's really important is that flexibility we need to give ourselves. I think we need to give ourselves a lot more grace. Mm -hmm. You know, we're holding ourselves up to this incredibly high standard, even though it's a standard we are setting for ourselves, but it's so incredibly high and rigid that it's unachievable. And this is why we don't feel that joy. We feel frustrated. We feel annoyed at ourselves sometimes. We go to bed and we're like, oh didn't get enough done, or you didn't work hard enough, we'll say to ourselves, right? Even though we've been working hard all day. Yes, for sure. But we just might not have done the important things, like you said. That's exactly right. Yes. Three important tasks are going to get you much closer to where you want to go than 30 tasks dragging you in all different directions. Yes, that's true. We get caught up in that idea of quantity, and it really is more about quality. Mm -hmm. Where can people get your book if they're interested? Is it on Amazon? It is. It's on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble. It's at Target. If you go to joyofmissingout.com, there's links to all the different places the book is available. But anywhere books are sold, you can find it. It sounds amazing. I'm so excited that you wrote this book and you're kind of shifting the conversation. Counterbalancing is a great concept, plus so many of the other ones. Well, let's shift and talk about just intuition. It's a topic I've been interested in. Share a time when you feel like you were guided to do something based on intuition, God, the universe, whatever you like to call it. Well, I think that this is the thing is we are all guided by this intuition, by God, by the universe or whatever it is you want to call it. But I think that because of the craziness and the hecticness of our lives, we don't hear it, right? We don't pause and listen. And I think when we really do that, we really can find that path that we're meant for, that we're designed for, that truly is designed for us. So for me, and I actually talk about this in the book, you know, I had a shift in my life where I had started a business. I grew that business to the point where my husband could come work with me. And it was great that we were able to work together, but it wasn't fulfilling for me. Oh, no. (laughs) That's fun. What was fulfilling. Yeah. And so that was a hard thing to, I had to go to my husband and say, listen, I love working with you, but I don't love what I'm creating. I don't love what I'm putting forth into the world. And he says, you know, okay, what is it you want to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. Oh, (laughs) no. Yeah. You know, what does this look like for me? 
And so really, too, this is why we start the book with discovery, because I've been through this myself. It's not like I've known, you know, since birth, this is what I'm meant to do. I had to give myself that space and that clarity. And I literally sat on the edge of my bed and prayed to God. And I said, you know, I didn't essay, like, give me the answers. I was like, please help me to find the path. Help me to find the path and just quiet myself and listen. And I think that when we really make that space to do that, we truly can hear it and that we truly can shift and change and push ourselves in the direction we want to go. So I gave myself that space. I gave myself that grace and that time, which again, there's that whole idea of, oh, I don't have time for that. Yeah, you need to prioritize it. You can create that time for yourself to really listen and figure out what is the universe telling you? What is God telling you? And then, you know, for me, it really was a matter of, okay, this is the direction I'm being pulled towards. When I really look at my life, when I look at the things, my breadcrumbs in the path, I, you know, closed up my other business and I opened up Inkwell Press. And I have to be honest with you, making that decision was hard. It wasn't easy. It's not ever easy to close a business, you know, especially when a business that pays my bills yes, because my husband and I work sure. together. I mean, it fed my children, <laughs> yeah. you know, all those important things that have to happen, it took care of, but I had to close it and open up Inkwell Press. And I haven't looked back since because I am so much happier. I feel so much more aligned with what I'm really supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think really giving yourself that gift of listening to your intuition really can make a huge difference in our lives, but we don't feel like we have the time to do it. Yeah. And I can hear the joy in your voice as you found that alignment. It's really fun. You can tell when someone's in alignment because that energy feels more like a laser than a big ray of light. You know, it's it's strong. Yeah. So I feel that from yeah. you. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. I truly am passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about this book. And I think that's one of the things that makes it so easy to talk about because I love seeing these light bulb moments in these women's eyes when they start implementing some of these things. And they're like, they're emailing me saying, oh my gosh, it works. I can't, you know, like I thought it would be so much more difficult, but it's working. And so when you find that alignment, it really does make a huge difference in how you feel about your everyday life. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And everyone, Tanya's book has really cool exercises, different than most other time management books I've ever looked through. And so definitely check out The Joy of Missing Out. It's a great one. Tanya, before we say goodbye, I want to have you leave our listeners with a challenge. Okay. that's I love this question because I love to challenge people. So here's what I would challenge you with. I would say, you know, if you are thinking that you're ready for a change or you're thinking about a goal or a dream or something you want to do, what is one thing that you can do today to make that difference? What's one tiny, itty bitty, little tiny step that you can do to get that momentum going? So I'll tell you that for me, with this journey we talked about earlier about getting to exercise, it was figuring out, okay, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes every day to research, you know, what's good for my back, right? Like what exercises can I do or what kind of classes would be good for my back? And I gave myself a week to do a little bit of research, just some light research, but that little tiny step got the momentum going. Then I started thinking about Pilates and then it was like, okay, the next step is finding a place. Then the next step is signing up for a class. We think that life is full of these giant leaps, these big steps, when really it's just a series of small steps, one after the other. So what's the one small step that you can take today? Mm, For me, signing up for yoga class. Yeah. Oh, good. I love that. (laughs) For everyone else. I mean, that's cool. And so I have a quick question with this. So you take that first step. 
How are you sure you're going to keep taking the steps a month later or two months later when most people start to fizzle out? What's your trick there? I really think, and we touch on this when we talk about habits in the book, the whole idea of tracking or really like monitoring how you're doing. So using a habit tracker or just crossing off days on your calendar, you start to get that little bit of a dopamine hit that, oh, I did this yesterday, so I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then you look and you start to create this chain of events where you're like, okay, I'm doing little things each and every day. And you can physically see it, you know, on a habit tracker or on a calendar or, or somewhere else. I think it really does build up that feeling of like, I'm winning and I don't want to break the streak. There's something about creating a streak for ourselves, creating a chain of events that are connected. We don't like to break the chain. This yeah. is great. I mean, a habit takes an average of 66 days on average. So if you make yourself a little tracker for three months, that will establish that as a habit. And then once that habit is established, all that thinking that you've had to do to get it started, that goes away. And that really starts to simplify. And then we, it just becomes autopilot. We just know I go to Pilates on Mondays and I know I go to Pilates on Thursday or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. It just happens automatically. That is so great. This is the perfect, perfect thing. This is the best, best advice. So everyone, figure out your one thing you're going to do today and then create your 66-day chart and let's do this. This is great. Also, be sure to get your hands on The Joy of Missing Out, Tanya's book. It's awesome. And Tanya, I want to thank you for being here. This really motivated me and I, I think it did everyone else who's listening as well. Oh, I love that. I hope it did. You know, I love that this is coming out with New Year's because it's always a new year, new you. And I think really it's ultimately up to you what your 2020 looks like. So take that small step and get it going. Make 2020 your year. I love it. Thank you. We'll leave it right there. Thanks so much, Tanya. Thank you. There were tons of nuggets of wisdom in that interview. And I hope you're going to take some of those ideas and apply them. And for those of you in the Vibrant Happy Women Club, we make it easy because this week I am teaching a class called How I Plan My Time. It's very simple. How I, Jen Ride, plan my time. Apparently, some of you have this idea that managing time is my superpower. That might be true. I don't know. It comes pretty easily to me. And I know there are people out there that do it way better than me, but I have figured out a system to plan my time and manage six kids and a business and to be relatively healthy and happy. And I'm going to be sharing how I do that. And that is for those of you who are in the club. If you are not yet in the club, you're going to want to join us. You can do that at jenriday.com slash join. All right. I'll be back again next week talking about discomfort. This is about the time of year when we start to give up on our New Year's resolutions. And a lot of that happens because we feel uncomfortable with the change. Our brain cries out for familiar patterns and it feels uncomfortable. How do we manage that discomfort so that we can keep moving forward toward our desired results? Well, I'll be talking about that next week. I appreciate you so much for listening. I wish you a very happy weekend and week, depending on when you're listening to this. And until next time, make it a great week. Take care. If you enjoy this podcast, you have to check out the Vibrance Happy Women Club. It's my monthly group coaching program where we take all this material to the next level and get you the results that will blow your mind. Join me in the Vibrance Happy Women Club at jenriday.com slash join.